Welcome movie fans, this is the podcast sequel sucks, this is actually episode 2 and we are talking about Jaws 2. I'm Cable Brandon and with me is a man who is very, very passionate about the movie Jaws 2. Um, I think he's going to defend it and I'll throw to him, the comedian, Angus Brown, how are you mate? Finally, finally someone's letting me do it. I've been campaigning for someone anywhere <laughs> to let me talk about Jaws 2 because it's it, it it's not getting its due. So I'm very excited to be here and to finally have a platform to voice my very unpopular opinion. Uh, well, yeah, I, I guess when you look at some of the – well, when I was doing the research for this film, um, it, look, it's not the worst Jaws sequel, but it's definitely, definitely still not high on a lot of people's uh, – list for sequels um I, I some of the reviews are quite savage that i read uh mm-hmm. but yeah it's um before we jump in I, I guess you just referenced something about a podcast that how we met was on Chatflix, so we'll give them a nice little shout out and they recently hey, uh, talking, ran a con- yes talking about a sequel coincidentally yes it was a Go- ghostbusters 2 was the first we, time well we yeah exactly and and that's how we met is talking about a sequel that is again very divisive in the uh Ghostbusters community. Um, but so they ran a competition. They're getting up to 250 episodes and your nomination for a movie to do was Jaws 2. Um, I wasn't necessarily thinking it would win because there was some stiff competition, but I was very surprised that the, the one that won was something I selected that I didn't even think we'd get out of the first round. So um, Starship Troopers it is. Uh, and yeah, I thought, I thought people were a bit harsh on you with Jaws too. So I thought, you know what? You're so keen to talk about it. Why don't we kick off sequel suck? This is actually episode two. We did talk about last Jedi. I recorded that a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away back in January. And I've just, life's just got in the way. COVID got in the way. What a different world it is since January. (laughs) Yeah, I know. So yeah, it's crazy. So it was more, you know, having the time to do this and give it a hundred percent. So and have someone to talk movies um, with me. So, um, but this is your baby. I'm going to let you talk Jaws 2. Firstly, you've seen it how many times? Oh, not as as many as I should have. I think I've probably only seen Jaws 2 about, (laughs) I watched it again this morning just to make sure I was fresh. So I think probably like eight or nine times I would say now. Okay, okay. Okay. Especially yeah. compared to Jaws, which is I don't, well lot. over 50, 60, 70 times. I've lost count of Jaws. It, it's it's in it's in the high figures, but Jaws 2 is it's a different a different beast. It's one that I always mean to come back to more. And then inevitably I'll be like, I'll just watch Jaws again before I watch Jaws 2. And then I watch Jaws and then I get distracted. Okay, so I guess you and me are of an age or a vintage that these this movie actually came out well before we were born. Yes. Well, for not not so much for me, but um, like, so how did you get into the Jaws universe? Or how were you introduced? Jaws was a sneaky, it was a sneaky one because it's one of those films, the the original is one of those films that from when, like I was born in 84. So for as long as I've been alive, it's just been a huge movie. 
And it's one of those movies that you get to an age where you're allowed to start watching slightly more grown-up films. And it's kind of on the list, the, the unofficial list of movies that adults pass down to, to kids, especially in the VHS era. It's like, oh, you've yeah. got to watch Godfather, you've got to watch Jaws, you've got to watch Star Wars, you've got to watch Deer Hunter. That kept coming up on my list for some reason. Um, but Jaws was always there and I kind of avoided it for a while. And I, I don't for the life of me know why. I think I just looked at the cover and I'm like, they're on a boat. I don't know. I'll go watch Raiders of the Lost Ark again or I'll go watch Ghostbusters again or I'll watch something that looks like it's a bit more wow. And then Jaws, I, it was just on TV one night. Mm. and I kind of started watching it and mum didn't tell me to go to bed and I was like, all right, I'm watching Jaws. And halfway <laughs> through, I was like, this is great. But I couldn't tell you why. I was still a kid. Yeah. And it's it's 90% a political drama. Like It shouldn't be appealing to children. <laughs> it's oh, mostly just small town politics and then occasionally someone gets eaten. Yeah. But it was one that stuck. And I kept, like, once I went to the video store after I saw it once, I was like, no, I'm going to rent Jaws. And then again, and then again. And then, and then I was like, I'm going to buy my own copy so I can stop renting Jaws. Mm. And then once I fully immersed myself in it, I was like, oh, fuck, there's three more. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I should swear. <laughs> no, no, all good. So you didn't know there was really sequels after it until a bit Not later Not at on. first. It was yeah. because I think when I first started renting it, I was too little. I'd just be like, mom, can we get Jaws? And she'd go, yeah, she'd pick it out. And then I got into that zone of hanging out in video stores. Like in, I grew up in a small town and our video store was the only place I would go. I'd just stop there after school every day and hang out. I hung out there so much they gave me a job. So I just would go there and inevitably went to the shelf one day. I was like, now I'll grab Jaws again and went to reach for Jaws. And then there's two, three, four next to it because it's all alphabetical. And went, um, hang about, all right. Because this is pre-internet too, you know. Yeah. People yeah, don't no, no, talk I get about it. Jaws 2 or, or Jaws 3D or Jaws the Revenge unless they're talking about it in a negative way. And it hit the point where I was like, oh, I'm going to rent those. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and, and look, you, you're right. It, it helps that it's got an iconic sort of just simple title, Jaws, and those big red letters yeah. Um, it's a bit like for me, like I remember, like you were saying, like, you know, you sort of knew of Planet of the Apes and then you see on the shelf all these other ones afterwards and you're like, whoa, how many Planet of the Apes movies are there sort of thing? So, um, yeah, I hear, I, I've got a confession. Uh, so obviously Jaws was the first um, Jaws movie that I sat down and watched, like from A to B when I was sort of at that age that I was interested in seeing it. Um, but yeah, when I grew up too, it was um, so ingrained into pop culture that you sort of knew about it without having to know all of it. Um, it was just there. And yeah. I was aware there was a multiple movies. Um, I couldn't tell you that one was called the revenge or anything like that. And one was in 3d <laughs> or anything like that. But I vividly remember the first time I actually saw any sort of jaws was jaws two had been on TV and the kids or the neighbors um, across the road had taped it and then we're watching it after school the next day sort of thing. So I remember uh, being there when they had started watching it. I think they'd already been, oh, they definitely had already started. And I remember the mum of one of the kids was, oh, are you allowed to watch this? Because my mum was really big on us. She put us in cotton wool and a lot of movies that we were shielded <laughs> from. And she so Jaws was definitely a movie we weren't allowed to watch. Um, so for me, but I I definitely vividly remember all the teenagers and being on the boats and some of those scenes. So the first exposure to Jaws was Jaws 2 for me. So, um, But that makes sense because yeah. Jaws 2 is way more appealing to like younger kids and teens than Jaws 1 because the kids are such big characters in it. Like a, a, all the tension in the movie is around those kids on the, the boats at the end yeah. and they're such big characters. Like they all get introduced at the start like – 
almost like a slasher movie. Like, oh, he's the nerdy one and he's the cool guy. Yeah. And he's the nervous but sensitive one. You get like this little breakdown of the characters and then you're back to Brody. And you know, as a moviegoer, oh, I'm going to have to care about these kids because they've just shown me them in that that weird little quick shot there. So that's going to be important. And of course, yeah, they are. They're, they're the ones who we have to worry about being in peril for the whole movie. No one else is ever really in danger. It's the kids. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny that you know, I was thinking about that story and when I was doing some research last night and sort of found out that, you know, it came out, this movie came out in 1978 and though it was sort of re-released a couple of times at the cinemas, I think even again in 1980. And then it wasn't out on home video until uh, sort of 84, 85. So it wow. sort of makes sense that um, when I probably did see it, it was probably sort of sort of 88, 89 when it would have maybe debuted the, on TV. Yeah, so, TV rights. So I'm like, yeah, that sort of sounds about right. Because I remember, again, like I said, my neighbours like, were so excited. Like it was almost like an event sort of thing for them. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. it's um, And I guess with that release schedule – it's almost a bit like Jaws was our parents' movie and Jaws 2 was was ours because that was coming out and, and VHS and TV when we were of an age when we can start getting into it and it didn't seem old, whereas Jaws has always seemed like an old movie because it's just yeah. it's always been there. But Jaws 2 is like, no, this it, it's just come out on TV now. We can, we can watch it after school. And it's sort of a brand new experience that you can get in on the ground floor. So yeah. it, makes, it makes sense that that would be the one. So at the time... It was the biggest, I think, initially at the box office, it was the biggest money-making sequel before, I think, Rocky Two came along. certainly was, was, yeah. So which Rocky that, that also, in the same year, but yeah, it was, it was the biggest at the time. Which sort of surprised, it surprises me, then, but then doesn't surprise me, because Jaws was such a big deal. Well, Jaws was, at the time in 1975, was the biggest film of all time. So yeah, it kind of doesn't surprise me, and it doesn't surprise me they did a sequel. Now I'll throw it to you. Should they have made a sequel? Did they did they really need to make the sequel? Should have maybe I should ask that at the end of the podcast. But uh, it look, it's Hollywood. It's money. It was a license to print money, I guess, and <laughs> they tipped a lot more into well, this film. So yes, they did. Mm. And I think that's the the journey of Jaws two is is pretty crazy. I think because yeah. it it has all of the earmarks of a film that should have been an absolute disaster. It has all of the setup of a film that shouldn't happen and it somehow comes out good. So I'm sure most people haven't looked into Jaws 2 as much as you and me. So for people listening to this who haven't looked into it, Jaws 2, it did come about because uh, David Zanuck and um, Brown, the other one, I've forgotten his name. They they knew, the producers who put together Jaws, uh, they knew that there was going to be a sequel. The first one was too big of a success. There was no way the studio was going to rest on it. And so they kind of decided, well, if they're going to do it, we might as well be the ones in charge again. And they started putting it together. They got in some writers. They got in some some crew to sort of start building stuff and making things happen. And it went to hell pretty much immediately. Like as soon as they started putting it together, it started falling apart. So the the head of Universal at the time was married to Lorraine Gary, who plays Chief Brody's wife, Mrs. Brody, in the movie. And they wanted her in it way more because it's their wife and it's a big opportunity for them. Jaws was huge and she wasn't in it much, so get her in there. Like Things like in the final act, they wanted her on the boat. They wanted her rescuing the kids and, and Brody taking a backseat to, to Mrs. Brody. And the original writers were like, nah. And they were a husband and wife team and the husband was going to direct and everything was was up and running. And they started shooting the movie 
and everything was running along and the, the uh, studio was like, no, 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 we want you to change this. It's too dark. And we want my wife in it more. And we want this, and we want that and that. And they just kept saying, no, we're not doing that. So they got fired a month into production mm. and they'd filmed a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, they, they had cast people like Rick, Rick Schroeder, little Ricky Schroeder, who was a child actor who grew up to be a TV actor. He was cast as the younger of the Brody brothers. He got booted. Uh, a bunch of actors who were already cast got both of the sons were cast. They got booted. The, uh, the, I don't know what you'd call him, the Weasley developer who's uh, Mrs. Brody's boss. He got yep. booted and brought in with the new director's friend. They brought in this new guy who was a TV director, a French TV director, who hadn't done much. And he was like, all right, let's shut it down and start again because the studio wants this to be an action movie, not a, a dark, ominous sort of horror slash, slash slasher. And so they started redoing everything on the fly. So production got shut down in the middle and then they had to redo everything again. They only went up using two of the original shots, which killed the budget. So suddenly this movie goes to a $30 million film. It was the most expensive uh, sequel ever and the most expensive universal film ever at the time. They'd never spent $30 million on a film. Everyone was getting more money. Like Roy Scheider was getting four times as much money as he got on Jaws. Roy Scheider hated being in the movie. That's one of the biggest defining things about this. He'd never wanted to do Jaws 2. Yep. Uh, and Deer Hunter, which I spoke about at the start, he was in. And he didn't want to be in Deer Hunter, so he left in uh, in pre-production or early production. And Universal were mad because they had a couple of a picture deal with him. Yeah. And they said, all right, we'll forgive you for leaving Deer Hunter if you come back and do Jaws 2. And we'll even count Jaws 2 as the final two movies on your contract because we know you really don't want to do it. So he got forgiven for leaving a movie in pre-production, got four times the salary he got in the last movie, got to count two movies as one on his contract to come back on this, and he still was a miserable son of a bitch the entire shoot and fought with the new director the entire time and told everyone that he wanted to be there and tried to... The, the most famous thing about Jaws 2 that I've ever heard is that he tried to get fired from the movie for temporary insanity, and he went to the Beverly Hills Hotel lobby and acted insane. He went crazy yeah. and started acting like a fully, like Klinger from MASH, acting like a fully insane yeah. person. So the studio would go, oh, he's crazy. We have to fire him. And they just went, nah, you're doing this movie yeah. and well, kept it, him in there. It's funny you say that because I, I, I vaguely recall that story. And, and again, when you research, it's, you know, those stories, they sort of go to the deep recesses of your mind and you forget about them. And then I read that. and But then you see his performance in it. And I don't know about you, but I think he's great in it. And it's like he... It's not like he didn't. I don't know. He just didn't give off the vibe of someone that didn't want to be there. It was like he still gave it a hundred percent. He hated. He didn't want to do it. But like you said, the thing that sort of blows my mind is he's obviously upset Universal on the Deer Hunter. He they've said, look, just do this as our favor. We'll 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 clear clear the decks, clean slates, and he was paid a lot more. And he got a cut. So much more. Didn't he get a cut of takings or some sort of? I think he negotiated something on the back end, but it's never been officially reported what. Um, so, yeah. Which so makes I'm me like, think it was definitely something that happened and they just don't want to say that it happened so yeah. they don't ever have to do it for anyone else. So, yeah, it just sort of blows my mind that he just – he's a kind of guy too that, to me, comes across as a very professional actor. Yes. And and then you hear that story and you go, mate, what are, what are you on? Like, it's like, just do the <laughs> job. Yeah, you might not love it. You might not love the script. But you're getting paid good money. I know you maybe have some sort of uh, standards, I guess, and and maybe you think that's below you. But it's like just get the job done. You're getting paid, like you said, four five times what he got paid yeah. on jaws. Ridiculous amount of money at the time. And he and then didn't they put him in the, the best hotels? And he, he got looked they after. They really took after. And because the other two 
because the first movie, it was there were three stars. There's three names above the title. It's Dreyfus, it's Shaw, and it's Scheider. There's three action heroes in this movie. The sequel, Tim. I mean, Lane Gary gets second billing because she's the only other major original. And then Murray Hamilton as the mayor comes back, but it's it's him. He yeah. he's a man alone in this, and so he got the superstar treatment from the studio, but not from the director. So Jeanne Schwarick or Schwark, I'm, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it. He's a French man who grew up in Argentina. <laughs> I was going to ask you to pronounce Sorry. it because I actually I hate mispronouncing people's names. I think it's rude, but it's as like, do I. Yeah. I know I know the first name is Jeanne, and then Jeanne. he he often abbreviates it Schwarzak, but he often goes by Schwarak by uh, on film because okay. obviously no one can pronounce it. So, but so, he um. Yeah. He butted heads with Scheider. He didn't treat him mm. like a star. He didn't sort of uh, bow to any of his whims or, or, or even listen to his suggestions. And so sh- anytime he was directing the extras, Robert Sh- uh, Scheider, Roy Scheider would be walking around in the background complaining very loudly that the director was spending more time with the extras than with the star of the movie and lots of stuff like that. But the, what you said about him giving a good performance is absolutely true. And I think the two things that get lost with Jaws 2 is... It's it's a really weird sequel because the character of Brody is living an experience that Roy Scheider essentially lived in Jaws 1 because the, the shoot of Jaws was famously a disaster. Yep. And by rights, that movie should never have come together and been any good. And delays and shooting at sea, like the, the last act where they're out in the ocean and Spielberg was adamant that they had to have a 360-degree view with no land, which means they actually had to shoot out in the middle of the ocean and they had all these disasters and Scheider was miserable all three of them were they were absolutely miserable with the whole shoot and the, the shooting conditions and everything about it was bad and he he was traumatized by it when he finished the film he was like i'm never going in the ocean again i'm never doing a water movie again he was traumatized by his whole film experience and then he comes back to do the sequel because he's essentially forced to by the money men and he's playing a character of brody who's traumatized by this experience of going out and fighting this giant shark when he was already scared of the water at the start of the film and now he's not only doing it again, but he says in the movie, he's like, I'm all alone out here. Like his two sidekicks are gone. It's just him. And he's dealing with the same yeah. crap. The money men are forcing him to do this again. Life and by the end of it, he's not even a cop anymore. He loses yeah. everything. And it's the, the interesting thing about Jaws 2 is it's a movie about trauma. And that never really gets referenced. This is a guy with PTSD yep. for the whole movie. And, and he doesn't get any kind of... Uh, justification or vindication until the very end when he he doesn't see the shark until the end in this movie. Yeah. Very few people see the shark in this movie. And I think that's a clever thing that the director did. The the less clever thing is they show the audience, the movie, the shark early in the movie and very often, but the characters in the film, there's none of that, you know, in the original, the whole beach sees, you know, people getting eaten and sees horrible accidents happening and then people getting legs bit off and little boys getting eaten alive. And it's all happening in front of Amity, but in the sequel, everyone's like, it's a boat accident, or that's bluefish, or you're losing your mind, man. Like, that didn't happen. Yeah. And for the first two acts, he could be, and he knows it. He knows he could be losing his mind because he's so stressed and, and traumatized by Jaws. And it's a yeah. brilliant performance. He deserves so much credit for his work in Jaws, too. It's yeah, so, it so was, cool. It was like he, he gave it his all, and yeah, we hear all the behind the scenes stuff, but uh, yeah, I can't knock him for it. So, I mean, obviously, he came back. Um, Quint um, uh, Robert Shaw uh, did not come back, obviously, because his character was dead. Uh, the other one, Richard Dreyfus, um, he was sounded out. Um, he pretty much, from what I'm reading, wasn't interested, but then also used the 
disclaimer that he would only come back if Spielberg was coming back, but I'm sure he knew Spielberg wasn't coming back. But also there was a bit of a clash anyway with, with the timeline. They were doing close encounters of the third kind. Yeah. So it was probably unlikely. But, um, I mean, what, what are your thoughts? Do you think Spielberg I, – I feel like Spielberg was never doing it unless they really no. threw, threw money, that ridiculous money at him to come back and, and maybe even give him some sort of deal for future movies. Or, and when I say future movies, non-Jaws movies, but, you know, yeah. leg up in that regard. But – I don't think he was ever going to come back. And I did read somewhere where the excuse for him not coming back was um, the issues with, like I said, uh, Close Encounters and, and on other projects. Um, but then I've also read, he's definitely said, no, nah, that was the hardest shoot. The narrative, the narrative yeah. of Spielberg coming back changes depending on how many years it's been since Spielberg mm. is asked about it. So initially when they, first talked about doing Jaws 2, there's a quote that he's never quite escaped from that says, all sequels of any kind are just a cheap carny trick and I'll have nothing to do with them. Yes. Then he went and made The Lost World. Um, so yeah. <laughs> he's kind of tried to bury that quote a bit, but then he also uh, over the years has been quoted as saying, I didn't want to make Jaws 2 because I'd already made the definitive shark movie and I didn't think there was anything I could do to top it. So as an artist, I didn't want to go back and do something I knew I couldn't do as well. Um, then he also said, I was too busy making Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which the timeline on that is kind of, it's iffy. Like he, he probably yeah. was in pre-pre-production on that. He, he knew he wanted to do it. But if you look at like exact dates and start to get really manic about it, because of the delays in Jaws 2 and everything got shut down and then reopened, yes, that happens. And then the delays in the filming of Close Encounters, yes, that happens. But if everything ran to how it was supposed to run, he could have easily done Jaws 2. There was no... Yeah conflict there he was just like no no i'm doing something else and i'm a bit and he didn't want to do it he didn't want anything to do with it but i think the the thing that he knew well before anyone else is that he was steven fucking spielberg and he had a thousand stories in him to tell and he's right he did make the definitive shark movie he didn't need to make another shark movie ever in his life and he had so much cred from the first one he could go on and pick and choose his projects and who the hell was going to make Close Encounters of the Third Kind unless you were the director who just made, at the time, the highest grossing film ever and completely changed the way that cinema yeah. worked everywhere? <laughs> like, he knew. <clears throat> he had all of this career now that, and he was just going to roll with it. So he was never going to do it. And I think Dreyfus was the same. Dreyfus hated Jaws to the point where I've got a friend who I won't name, <clears throat> but a comedian who hosts a lot of uh, Comic-Con and um, uh, the other versions that we have in Australia panels. Yeah. And Dreyfus came to be a guest and all of the hosts get given the list of, you know, goes and no goes for what they can and can't yeah. say and do on stage and things before they walk out and pretend this is all very casual. And the number one thing for Dreyfus is you cannot ask about Jaws at any point. If a fan has a question about Jaws in the audience, the moderators are not allowed to pass it on. There is to be no uh, Jaws paraphernalia on stage. There's to be no reference wow. to Jaws. There's be, like it's completely off limits. And his reasoning is, he's done other work and he wants to talk about that instead. But from everyone behind the, the, the screens who, who know what's going on, they say, yeah, he, he hated it so, so much. He refuses to talk about it because he has nothing good to say and he doesn't want to burn any more bridges than he already has. Cause he'll inevitably just wind up saying it was shit. I hated everything about it. Everything sucked. Everyone was on it was sucked and blah, blah, blah. And then he's shooting himself in the foot. Yeah. So he really, really hated Jaws. Yeah. So he, knew he was, it was the thing that started him, but he hated it. Yeah. He was never coming back. And, uh, I feel like, and you did touch on it, They it was one of the hardest movies to shoot and they had a lot of problems with the shark. 
like you said, a lot of stuff in water. They had a lot of issues and, and how they made a classic in a lot of ways uh, is amazing that they actually got something um, so good on screen and all cut together with all the stuff we hear about um, that happened on that first movie. So I can understand that they, they would have all suffered. Uh, they would have been happy with what the results and how it all turned out. But yes. uh, Jaws definitely wouldn't. It's just an experience that you go, well, do I really want to go through that all again? And, and for what, you know, okay. I might like, you know, my bank account might be a little bit bigger, but yes. is, is it really worth the, the stress? And, uh, and like you said, so g- g- sort of rolling back a little bit, uh, John uh, Hancock was the original first director of Jaws two. And he yes. had spent, and this is the other cruel thing. And, and maybe he wasn't the right person to take this movie to its completion, but he spent 18 months on that before they really even shot anything or, you know, like I said, they probably shot about a month or a couple of weeks of stuff before he got fired. So he did so much pre-production stuff. And to think that you can do that much and then get fired a month into the actual filming is almost unheard of, really. And the uh, the unofficial word for his firing, it isn't so much that he wasn't good on the film. It was there was pushback because, like I mentioned, he wouldn't put Lorraine Gary in the film more. And the head of, I think Sid Scheinberg was who she was married to at the yeah. time, the head of Universal. He wasn't happy about that. But the final straw was he fired a, an unnamed actress off the film. No one's ever found out exactly who it is. But that unnamed actress was dating one of the higher ups at Universal yeah. at the time. And between Sid Scheinberg being angry at him and this other unnamed executive being angry about his girlfriend getting fired, they essentially said, no, screw this guy. We're getting rid of him because our wives and girlfriends are mad at us. And that yeah. was what eventually <laughs> did him in. But it's interesting, you talk about what a long process the pre-production is, but this Jaws 2 that we get to see is kind of the third Jaws 2 because this the, the original pitch for Jaws 2 wasn't Jaws 2. The original pitch for Jaws 2 was a prequel yes. set on the Indianapolis and it was, it was Quint and it was Quint's famous monologue that he <clears throat> comes up with on the Orca. The whole movie was going to be about the Indianapolis and the them in the water the third act was going to be the sharks pulling them all apart and quint trying to do that and like we'll get robert shaw back and we'll you know we'll make him a bit younger we'll shave the mustache and cut the hair and he'll be great and we're gonna have this great story about that and the studio was like yeah yeah that's really good but that's not jaws like we we need jaws we need to be a jaws movie not a war movie maybe we'll do that some other time and so the second pitch stole a bunch of stuff from the original book and that was the movie i wish they had have made i do like jaws too but i wish what they had have done is followed the line that the the town is dead. So the Jaws 2 is meant to open with Amity Island as a ghost town. The stores are boarded up. The the houses, half of them are abandoned. The town is dying because it's now the shark murder island. No one holidays there. Yeah. And the developer comes in and meets with Mayor Vaughan and says, we'll build this huge resort. It'll revitalize the town. It'll bring people and money back and everything will be great. But they cannot get anyone to back it because of the shark murder town. So they borrow the money from the mob. And so the whole reason that Mayor Vaughan is so anti shutting down the island again when Brody comes in and goes, there's another shark, is because he owes the mob money and he can't do it. They'll come and they'll kill him. So these two guys, uh, they're shady, but they're also backs against the wall and they have to get this happening. And so that was going to be the plot. A lot of the stuff that's in the movie was going to stay with the third act, with the kids being in peril and Brody trying to save them. But the whole idea was the island is dead. And I think there'll be such a brilliant continuation of the film. Like if they had of come along and said, yeah, the, the shark may be dead, but it killed the town. Like it, it succeeded. And, and the, the whole economic 
threat in the first movie carries over and is is realized and Vaughn was right like you can't shut down the beaches on 4th of July people won't come and then they don't yeah. But they didn't do that because the studio said it's too dark and it's too glib. And they also couldn't do it because the townspeople of Martha's Vineyard, which is where Amity Island is set, refused to let the studio board up the windows. So there's only one store in the entire town that would let them board it up and make it look all derelict. And no one would let them come and, and dress their house to look worn down. And no one would let the, the businesses get worn down. And there's a couple of people who walked around wearing T-shirts that said, go home, Jaws, and all these things. And the town refused to let the studio do it the way they wanted to. So they had to to revert to a different idea or, or not revert, they had to advance to a different idea, which was everything's fine. And that's probably my only real major complaint with Jaws 2 is that because they they kind of had to ditch the town's dead angle is that it does feel, apart from Brody, everything else in the movie starts to feel like a rehash of the, the original and you get less progression of the story and more like, Oh, it's happening again, as opposed to this is the continuation of what already happened. Yeah. And I think Roy Scheider and, and Brody's character are great for, for showing us man, what happens when you're, you know, you're put through something so awful and forced to face your, your ultimate fear and you, you lose the people who are trying to help you and, and the town just keeps chugging along like nothing happened. Like, yeah, man, you would be messed up forever, yeah, but absolutely. the rest of the town, there's no change. And I think that's yeah. a bit of a disappointment. Yeah, I think it's funny you bring up the mob stuff because that was something I'd heard about, you know, a few years ago as well. And now that you you bring it up again, it sort of as I was watching it again last night, I'd probably watch it twice in the last, last week. And there's definitely those early scenes. And, and like you're saying, like almost the insistence of the mayor um, and just the way they sort of shut down Brody is like that, that plot line of owing money to the mob yeah, he's actually still there in the story, and they're playing off that storyline. And then all of a sudden, they go, "Hang on, we we won't even reference that anymore, and we'll just take that that sort of subplot out." And do you know what I mean? Like, it does feel Absolutely. like it, but then the two the two actors who are left to deal with it, um, Mayor Vaughan and the the developer whose name has gone out of my head, which is very annoying, uh, Peterson, played by um, uh, Joseph was it Mascolo. Mescolo, who's famously yeah. Stefano in Days of Our Lives, yes. that suave mother effer. Um, but yeah, there is a real like that. Like that guy seems like he's shading. You feel like, oh, there's going to be something sus going on. And they also have a real allusion to the fact that he's trying to get into Lorraine Gary's pants. Yes, and then you know he he's very much like mm, I'm putting the moves on her. And then that kind of just goes away. Now, part of that is because they didn't have time to fully rewrite Vaughn's character because the actor who plays. Mayor Vaughan, uh, his wife was getting surgery for cancer, like right after his scheduled shoot days were finished. So they, when they were rearranging things, they were like, oh, we need to move you. And he's like, okay, we well, can only move me to these dates. That's it. Otherwise I'm, I'm not available. My wife's going for cancer surgery. So they didn't really do anything more with his character yep. to adapt for the fact they'd taken out all the mob angle. They're like, oh, we'll just cut his shoot days because we don't have that mob story anymore. But he's still... His character doesn't really make sense in the in the sequel because Brody comes to him and says, there's another shark, and he does exactly what he does in the first movie. <laughs> yeah, like, no, nah, man, you had that scene in the first movie in the hospital where you show us that you, you realise you fucked up and you regret it. So you can't just go back to being the same guy. But And, um, it's, it's, and yeah. now that you mention that too, that's one of the things that uh, I saw in reviews that people were critical of that 
um, Brody's coming to them with this information. So he's, he's dealt with it and he's also had that relationship with the mayor. So it's not like it's a new mayor that hasn't had that experience. It's that mm. same guy. So the fact that he's kind of shut down is, not, I wouldn't say illogical, but pretty pretty dumb and it makes him look like a bit of a dick as well. When he yeah, especially after, like, but then with if, after he again, gets like, like a slight redemption. Yeah, it's it, it's definitely and it's it's not great. And and like you said, the problem being that if they were sort of rewriting it, and like I said, this the, the pressure on him if the subplot of owing the mob money, it kind of makes a lot more sense if that was there that he's trying to fob him off a bit and say no, no, there's no shark. It's you know people go missing, people die. It's not always sharks, all that sort of stuff then that would sort of make a yeah. little bit more sense. But, um, and even uh, you bring up um, the other character, which was introduced in this movie, uh, Peterson, um, who seems like he's the developer. He's got plenty of money. Um, and like you said, he's sort of, sort of early on, it look, looks like he's sleazing on the wife a little bit and that sort of disappears. But um, even his, I guess his demeanor towards uh, Brody is really interesting as well. Like it's all, already, he, you can see he's not a fan of him. So, and again, it may be that, you know, the pressure of the mob and owing them money um, and just and himself wanting to make more money by having the condominiums go up and all the, all this sort of stuff. And this yeah. money coming back into the town. Cause it, it, it's not really explained. Cause I feel like it's almost like this previous sort of incident that may have happened that, yeah, I don't know why he would have an issue with Brody, but I don't know, until he starts shooting up the beach, and that makes sense. But. Yeah, it would have if they're going to get rid of the mob angle. It would have been much better if they could have recast that character because the, the, it's not like they kept the same actor. They they fired the actor who was originally in that version, and then brought in this guy because he was mates with the director. So they could have just cast a character who was an original from the the first movie. They could have even got replaced the whole sort of developer angle a bit. And had the animosity towards Brody come from Mrs. Kittner, the the mother of uh, little is it Tommy? Little Tommy, the little boy who gets murdered, yeah. murdered, gets eaten in Jaws one. Um, you know, and maybe she's on the town council now, and and or his dad is on the town council now, or something. And there's a reason for them to have that rage and frustration towards Brody because this guy, he's a brand new character who has no backstory other than he's building these buildings. We don't know what the stakes are for him. If we just added one scene, just one scene where you know, even when they go into the room to decide to fire him, if Vaughn and Peterson just went into the, the office for two seconds and he was like, I don't know, there's too much writing on this. You know, do you have any idea how many millions of dollars in bank loans we're up for and and what the banks will do to this place if we don't come good and, and just, just anything really. Yeah. Like they spend so much time justifying the economic reasons for staying open in Jaws. They could have just given us 20 seconds, 20 <laughs> seconds of film of explaining, yeah, there's serious financial pressure on these two people to ignore another shark attack and to push ahead with everything's hunky dory and to make Brody feel like he's insane. But they didn't they didn't give us that. We just get them going into an office and then Brody's fired and drunk and that's it. Yeah. And that's probably I think that's a big missed opportunity. Yeah, I agree. Cause you everyone has well this, like you said, there's got to be stakes, and it can't just always be well. I guess jaws in the water, but there have there has to be reasons for certain things being a certain way and certain decisions by certain characters being made. You have to they have to have motivation. Like if there's nothing there, and I think yeah, I, I think people who uh, who who like jaws, and I think people more so who like Steven Spielberg, 
really should watch Jaws 2, even if they aren't feeling particularly inclined to, because when he made Jaws, obviously he was a nobody. You know, no one knew he was going to be Steven Spielberg. No one knew this movie was going to be Jaws. It was a complete disaster of a shoot. He seemed to stay in control, even though he felt like it was falling apart. He turned out the biggest ever film of all time at the time and created a legacy for himself that is going on now that has never really been sullied. There's never been a period of time when he's had like a string of bad films. People are like, Spielberg's done. People still love him. He still gets nominated for Academy Awards every couple of years. And then the director of Jaws 2 was kind of the same. He'd made a few episodes of TV. He'd made like a little B-movie horror movie called Bug, which sounds amazing about cockroaches who are mutants who can also start fires. <laughs> and There's some government plot. It sounds crazy, but he, he had yeah. no real credentials. And then he was handed this blockbuster and he could have been the next Spielberg. And I'm sure he probably sh- thought he was going to be like, he was being given this franchise to do what he wanted. And had he been a better director, he probably could have made an equally good version of, of Jaws and then propelled into his own career, but he didn't cause he's not Spielberg. And I think what this film really does is it reminds everyone how good Spielberg is and how special he is as a filmmaker, because with the exact same situation, you know, you've got actors who are fighting with director. You've got the, you've got the aptly named cable junction, the Mm. Island that is the the goal at the end of the film. They have to get to the kids have to get to for safety was in actuality, a big bunch of plastic tied onto a couple of barges because they couldn't have a real Island because a real Island tapers off underwater and they couldn't get the shark ramp close enough. So they had to get this actual fake Island going, which was a disaster. They, they wouldn't anchor it down. So it kept floating out to sea and then they'd have to go out and get it and pull it back in. They'd lose days of shooting. The plastic was super duper slippery and the actors couldn't actually grab onto it. So when they're scrambling out to safety, they kept sliding off back into the water and they'd have to reshoot and reshoot. And the thing was an absolute nightmare for the shoot. And these are all the same problems that got encountered on Jaws, on the first Jaws. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that was the one thing that sort of blew my mind that, okay, there's maybe something like that that wasn't in the first movie that they maybe didn't anticipate. But I still feel like they should have known, even though this movie made so much money, all they had to do is like, Spielberg, can you just be a consultant or something or let's go over. It is an EP. We'll give you a percentage if you just come on as an EP and tell us what not to do. Yeah, because I feel like they they re they it was like history repeating itself. It's like how did you okay they even with the shark they rebuilt the shark and they did it a bit different and, and all that that's great but they obviously didn't fix the design a lot of the design flaws. The shark kept breaking. There's the same problems yeah. they had with Bruce in the first film. The shark kept stuffing up even though they completely rebuilt it. Yeah. The only thing they did fix, the only improvement from Bruce and Jaws to, they called it Bruce 2 and then they called it, I think, Howard after somebody else's lawyer. Yeah. On the inside of the mouth, they put in jowls as like a like foam rubber jowls yeah. to cover the joints so that they could get closer shots of the shark opening its mouth yeah. and without seeing the hinges, which was a big mistake they made on the first one, which turned out to be fine because Spielberg is Spielberg and he shot around it. Yeah. But yeah, they didn't learn anything. They learned nothing no. from Jaws. Yeah, and they had... Mind. I was going to say, you were talking about getting Spielberg back as a consultant, but so many of the people involved in Jaws were back. Like they wound up, yeah. after all the changes in in writers, they wound up getting Carl Gottlieb to write it again, uh, along with, uh, not Benchley, Peter Benchley is the the author, with um, Howard Sackler, who was a script advisor on the first Jaws, but didn't want to credit. So yeah. 
the guy who wrote Jaws and the guy who helped write Jaws were the people who wrote Jaws 2. The executive producers who put Jaws together from the ground up were the executive producers of Jaws 2. The production studio, Universal, that made it, made Jaws 2. The lead was the same lead. The, the secondary cast was the same. Like even the actor who plays Hendrix, the, the deputy, yeah. is the same actor. And, and the town where they shot, it's the same. Like they knew what they were getting. They went back to Martha's Vineyard. Everything was the same including the mistakes it's, yeah. it's absolutely baffling that they didn't have like 20 crew guys going like there is actually a book now that we wrote about what not well, to do when shooting at sea well, based on jaws i was going to say like that carl gottlieb book uh the jaws uh log the jaws log amazing well, i mean book. yeah like when do you like off the top of my head i probably should have researched this um but i'm just wondering when that came out because you sort of feel like that's the bible to take on to learn what not to do um yeah and well, at especially least help with, advise. Yeah, especially with him being back again. Like you think he would. I, I can't. Oh, I'm trying. I'm racking my brain now, trying to remember when the Jaws log came out. But even if it hadn't been released when Jaws two came out, you had the guy who wrote it. He he would have been writing it even if he hadn't finished writing it yeah. on set again. Who could be like, oh no, nah, don't do that. Don't build yeah. that out of that material. It sinks or don't do that again. It'll it'll make a huge mess. And it was. Crazy. It's a it's a, f- a fascinating way that the film came to happen when it didn't seem to be motivated entirely by money. Like the, obviously money was the, the mitigating factor. If, if Jaws wasn't a success, there's no Jaws 2. And with all sequels, I think, or 99% of sequels, that's the case. Like if the first one doesn't make big money, you're not getting the second. But they didn't do it the next year. Like this film didn't just immediately happen. There was a, a break where they could yeah. think about how they were going to do it. You would think in that break, they would think mm. about how not to do it as well. And they Absolutely. never did. Oh, I agree with you. It's uh, it's interesting to see that they had that three-year sort of gap. And I guess by the time they're in the production, it's probably a two-year gap, but it's still plenty of time, you think. to Like when you think about it, Jaws is a fairly simple film in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's a very classic setup of the three-act so structure, and it's, it's perfect. It's not, it's not too uh, script or plot-wise. It's not complicated at all. So from that point of view, I, it does blow my mind a little bit that, yeah, you're right. They had plenty of time to actually nail something half-decent down before they sort of threw their hat in with uh, Hancock and then started filming and then had issues. But then that's also, like you said, money. There's egos involved with, you know. Like well, said, Gottlieb was originally asked to write it. He was the first guy they hit up and he didn't think he was being offered enough money. So he said no. So, so money was a, a factor in things. And then when he did come back to finally write it, he came back to write it for a ridiculous amount of money because they were desperate. Yeah. So he, he played his cards very, very well. But had he been a little less, I'm not even going to say greedy. Like he, he didn't get paid much at all for Jaws. So he probably knew this was his shot. But had he been a little perhaps better at negotiating, uh, we could have got a totally different and and much more beloved Jaws 2 than we got. But it's um it's it's so it's so strange because it did it spawned so many other like the original Jaws spawned a you know a, a murder at sea kind of spree. Like the piranha is the most famous ripoff of it, but there's uh Orca. Uh, tentacles, killer fish, barracuda, blood beach. Uh, what else have we got? Humanoids from the deep, the island of fishermen, monster shark, Mako, the jaws of death. Like there's so many films came out in the late seventies, early eighties yeah. that were trying to replicate jaws. Yeah. And only one group of people 
actually had the rights to replicate yours. And then when they did it, they they almost cooked it. But still, again, just like the original, what comes together is a decent film. Yeah, I it's, agree. It's I a mean, film that... Yeah, I've seen it probably um, probably six or seven times now. And, and I think it holds up. I think, yeah, is it is it a classic? No. Is it going to win Oscars? No. But you want to be entertained. And I think... See, one of my things that I always... I, I hate when I go to a film, especially, well, a sequel with friends who love the original and straight away, as soon as the credits roll, ah, oh, that was shit. And it's like, well, they're probably right and it's their opinion. that If they think it's shit, it's shit. But I sometimes think it's like, it's very hard to replicate, especially in the case of something like Jaws, where you don't see the creature or the, the shark for so long and it's just little bits and it's the, the anticipation you know, the climax of seeing it and all that sort of stuff. The same with Predator, Alien. Yeah, okay, Alien did it well with Aliens. But generally speaking, once the cat's out of the bag for those kind of films, it's very hard. Like, you can't put it back. It's there. People have seen it. So it's a very hard way to navigate. How can we reproduce the brilliance of the first movie and give the audience what they want and make everyone be happy? It's just... It's it's pretty hard. Like you can't, and especially when it's a shark, it's a it's a real animal. Like Predator and Alien, and some of those other franchises, you can kind of tweak them enough or give have them evolve or something. But a shark's a shark, and there's not much yes. more you can really do to add to that. And that's where the director, um, he's like, well, oh, we'll stuff it. We'll show the shark more. Um, and I get he, why he did that and where he was coming from. I don't know if that really works as well yeah. i think i kind of could have still minimized seeing the shark as much but um i mean what are your thoughts i think on? it's a it's a sliding doors moment uh that will forever be discussed with jaws as what if the shark did work would jaws yeah. be any good if they could do what they want to and i don't think it would i think Spielberg was forced to pull every trick that he possibly could out of the bag and we got a hitchcockian style thriller where you know what what your imagination comes up with is always worse and i i completely agree i think you you can't just do the same thing again. So I think what does work is they show the audience the shark. They don't show the characters the shark as much. And that's that's good. I think I think they show the shark a little too much. What I wish they had have done is shown what the shark does. And I think a huge thing that's missing from Jaws 2 that would have been really, really impactful and really been a big difference is you show a survivor. Show someone who gets an arm bitten off and lives or show someone who gets a leg bitten off and, and, and the mayor and the developer have to sit in the hospital and look at the, the bloody stump and the remains of this person who survives and can be finally the witness to say, Brody's not insane, there's a shark, it just bit my leg off. Yeah. And you could have a really great scene of a surfer or you know they have the water skiing scene at the start. Mm. Have another scene, I mean, your boats, there's a thousand things you can do with boats. They have a jet ski. This movie is one of the first movies to ever show a jet ski. Have a jet ski death. Yeah. Know, do something in there or have a jet ski mauling and have a survivor and have the effects of what the shark does showing. Okay. You can't show the shark eating someone, which they don't at all in this movie. They can't like we, we get Quint getting eaten in the first one. We don't get that at all. And apparently there's more deaths that happen. They had to get rid of, or they were going to get too high of a rating and the studio didn't want that. So they, they really toned it down, but I think they could have some really cool makeup effects on a, a torn up torso or a ripped open mm. leg or and a, the look of you get a good actor to play the character and somebody like if you've ever seen on, on youtube any news shows a, a shark attack survivor talking about the experience of being attacked by a shark talking about the experience of having a part of your body eaten 
by an yes. animal in front of you. That's a huge thing that Jaws never did, that Jaws 2 could have been like, bam, here's our, here's our contribution to the canon. You get yeah. to talk to someone or Brody or Vaughn get to talk to someone who went toe-to-toe with, with Jaws and lived to tell a tale. No one else has done that. Brody, yeah, but he, he never gets attacked. He, you know, he shoots it from a distance and it blows up. He's never in the mouth of the beast. And yeah. I think that's a really great thing they could have done. And that really would have justified a lot of showing the shark. But hell, man, like, what do you do? What do you do with the, the biggest box office smash of all time until Star Wars comes along? How do you make the second one and not just be like, Meh. yeah, it's, I think it's, there's got to be some credit where credit's due for what, what the director and what, and what everyone did in the final product of Jaws 2. Well, it's, um, it's interesting, you know, looking at it, um, you know, what they're able to do, but sort of touching on what you said, like they definitely toned down some of the deaths. And I believe there's some people that die in the movie, but technically in the script, they were supposed to survive. And there's sort of, yeah, the helicopter pilot and yeah. I forget her name, but the, the girl Marge. who rescues the yeah, Marge. Yeah, Marge, who rescues yeah. the younger brother. So yeah. you don't see her get eaten. And you don't see the helicopter pilot getting. So the, the unofficial story is when the helicopter's upside down, there's an air bubble in the capsule and the shark can't get to the helicopter pilot. So he stays in there safe. And then Marge goes under the barge and doesn't get eaten. And then the shark gets distracted and the helicopter pilot goes and gets her and pulls her in. The two of them hide in there uh, yeah. until, and I, I, mean, I don't know until when, because how are they going to know whether or not the shark is dead? Because they're in there underwater. Yeah. And who's going to want to come out and check? And also who's going to think to check? <laughs> The, yes. the half-eaten helicopter that's submerged underwater. You'd be like, my son's safe. I'm getting out of here. Hundred percent. And and going back to what you were saying um, earlier in the podcast, that the interesting thing about the toning it down, and obviously they wanted the PG rating, um, mm-hmm. and obviously there you know more bums on seat, more eyeballs watching the movie and paying for it. Um, but yeah, you're right. The the opening scene. Um, with the school band and all that, the hoopla that they have. And we get introduced to all these teenage characters. Uh, Tina Wilcox, the uh, Miss Amity, I don't know. Yeah, was it? Miss Amity? Or I think it's, it's something like that. Or something like that. But yeah. And it's we. That's, that's one scene that hasn't aged well because I'm pretty sure she's meant to be a high school senior in the movie. Yeah. And she yeah. walks out in the bathing suit and everyone, including Brody, is like wolf whistling at her. Yes. Like all these 40 yeah. plus year old men are like, woohoo, yeah, look yeah. at that. It's like, yeah. she's 16. So yes. what are you doing? That's, that's not right, the 70s anymore. Because she was really 25 at the time when they filmed it. But uh, yes. no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. That, that doesn't that definitely doesn't age well. But uh, oh, no. you're right. It, and then we get introduced to all these random sort of teenagers. And you're right. It just felt like hang on, I'm watching Friday the 13th or I'm watching Halloween yes. or something like that. So it's like, oh, we're going to have all these. And it does feel like that's the setup for, well, these are just people that can just go by the wayside. We can kill these off. Yeah, they're fodder. Most of them don't have names. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> there's one guy that reminds me of Napoleon Dynamite at the start, but uh, yeah, there's. Um, <laughs> yes, he's one of the guys who rescues the older Brody boy. Uh, yeah. And he, He's a hundred percent Napoleon Dynamite, and yeah. then his friend is like Napoleon Dynamite, but with sideburns. Yeah. So, and and having said, I haven't looked at the ages of all these kids that are actually in the movie, but I I did laugh because I was watching a Blu-ray copy that I've got, and so it's immaculate picture quality, um, and it feels like you know the best you'll ever see of uh, Jaws two. So I feel like you just pick up so much more of the characters and the faces. 
and I wouldn't say Tina looks old, too old to be, like you said, a you know, 16, 17 year old, but she does look like she's got a mature face compared to the boyfriend, Eddie, who looks at one point when, yes. uh, you know, after the boat's blown up and they're sort of talking to Brody and uh, I guess being the witnesses and giving their version of events, when Tina says, Can we go? And you just look at his face in that shot and he's looks so baby-faced, like he could be 15 or 16, and then you actually check how old she is, yeah. and in real life, she's 25, and I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Like, it actually starts to show up a little bit more, but, it, yeah, I thought that was a, a funny little thing. I probably should have checked how old he was, but... Um, something that something that has confused me about Jaws 2 that I, I tried to look up and I couldn't find, and I'm sure if I spent a couple of hours, I could, but the ages of Mike and Sean, of the Brody boys... Oh, yes, yes. I, I'm glad, yeah. Something goes awry, because in the first movie, they're pretty close in age, mm. I think. And in the sequel, they say flat out, Sean's 17. Like he's 17, he needs to get a job. Yeah. Yes. So Mike, Mike, the older brother, is 17, yeah. he needs to get yeah. a job. But Sean is still a little kid. Yeah. Like he still looks like he's like 10. Like so there's yeah. definitely not a seven-year gap between them in the first one. And they're definitely, um, they're recast, so they're not the original actors from the first one. Um, I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm a stickler for um, timelines and stuff like that because a lot of movies do play around with time a little bit. But what, that's, I guess, another thing that I sort of was thinking about was, you're right, I mean, there seems to be quite a, a time jump from Jaws yeah. to this movie, to the events of this movie, which doesn't really get explained apart from, you know, now Mike is, like I said, it, it's actually said, he is 17, he needs to go out yeah. and get a job. And... Like I said, so he's supposed to be what ten in the first movie ish, and then yeah, I think some... like because well, because Mike is uh, so Sean is very very young in the first movie. Yes, like the actor looks like he's five maybe, yeah. and meant to be playing perhaps a little younger. Um, and also they've built this huge resort like that. I, I don't know much about construction, but if you're building a huge resort on an island, I've got to think that's like a four or five year gig to do that. Yeah. So time has definitely passed, but it seems like only one sibling has really aged, aged. that yeah. much. Maybe that kid was the kid and I that think was that's... on the flight of the Navigator and didn't age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's him between Jaws 1 and Jaws 2. He's up on the Navigator. Like, he disappeared. We won't explain that part of it. But I'm with you. It does. It is quite jarring when you see, again, it feels like, Especially if you're watching them back to back, you're like Brody and that really haven't aged in the mum. No. And the and and even the mayor, it just feels like we're going back to that town the next summer. Like we know there's yeah. three years since the first movie, but you really think it's still relatively in that same sort of time bubble or that time span. And then yeah, you've got this massive to me, it's a massive jump in age of the kids. And I think they all, they probably could have benefited from flat out saying like at the start. Like do the thing that a lot of movies do in sequels where you start the sequel with the final scene of the original, yep. you know, and you, you start with smile, your son of a bang, and then the shark's dead. And then you just put up 10 years later or whatever yep. it is that you want to do, but have a decent jump because that would also explain why a whole bunch of the town, especially the kids aren't scared of sharks. Yeah. Like, a, lot, a lot of people who live in a town where there's a shark attack are like, I'm just never swimming again, ever. Yes. Especially kids. They'd be like, oh, a kid in my class got eaten by a shark. No, fuck the ocean. I'm never yeah. swimming. But yeah. everyone's like, let's get our boats and go out again yeah, every day. Because oh, dad, doesn't, dad doesn't want me to go out. Nah, come on, come on. Man. Yeah, why, like, why yeah. dad? What possible reason could you, apart from the one time that giant man-eating shark terrorized the town? Yeah, but what yeah. else you got, old man? Like, it just yeah. doesn't, 
quite it's it's that kind of that thing that Star Wars has where uh where in uh, in Force Awakens where Han Solo is like, it's true, the Jedi, all of it. I'm like, bitch, of course it's true. How could you forget the Jedi? It just happened. <laughs> like, I know it's yes, been exactly. like yeah. 10 years. Who's forgetting the Jedi in like the 10 years since the last movie? What are you talking about? Yeah, that bit, I agree. Yeah, that kind of thing. It it um, it sounds like I'm attacking Jaws too, but it, it's a bit irksome when you just age out one of the characters dramatically, but not their sibling. <laughs> like yeah. if both the boys were older. Like I get it. it the story is teens. Like Carl Gottlieb said, he got the idea for all the teens on the barges from like teens cruising around in in cars. And when he watched American Graffiti, he was like, oh, yeah, we'll do that, but on the water. But oh, just make yeah. both the brothers older. Yeah. Like do that. Yeah. I yeah. think that would make more sense. Yeah. It I does. do think though, for, for all my uh, my nitpicking there, I do think one of the smarter things in the script is making the, the Brody boys in peril the the sort of the stress of the third act because why else would Brody ever go back on the water? Why else would yep. he give a crap? Especially after he gets fired. Like he sit, he sits down when he gets fired. He's like, I'm tired. I'm done. Like I don't care anymore. And if it was anything other than his own two kids out on the boats, it would be ridiculous for him to, to go out there. For, for me watching it, like if he was like, oh, there's some kids lost. I better go. I'd be like, no, nah, send Hendrix. I don't believe you. I don't believe for a second you're going. <laughs> Yeah. And, and maybe it's because I've got kids. I don't know if you feel the same way, but like if I was yeah. him, if I, if I was anyone yeah. and someone's like, oh, there's a shark in the water and also your son's on that boat, be like, I'll swim. I don't care. I'm going out there to get him. Yeah. So that totally reads. And I think that is another part of the story that gets overlooked is it, it makes sense. Everything yeah. that happens in once, you, if you can get over the fact that the same town is being harassed by a different giant shark, which I don't think is that big of a hurdle, to be honest. Like, no, no, I, 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 I I think if one giant shark can come to a town, then yeah, two can. Who gives a shit? Like sharks obviously go there now. It's more yeah. strange if I don't know a, a giant gorilla comes and then they kill, it, and then another giant gorilla be like, fuck off. But yeah, yes. the ocean's huge. I don't know what happens in the ocean. Why not another shark? Yeah. Like everything in the story, it makes sense. It connects. Funny because when when I was thinking about that and really thinking about my you know experiences and my thoughts on Jaws too. That was the one thing, like probably as a kid, I'm like, ah, that's not going to happen again. But then really when you think about it, it is sort of possible. Like if there is a school of sharks that sort of big in that part of the world or, yeah. you know, you know, and then one sort of some, somehow comes, you know, gets in there again. I mean, it, it's, it's not impossible. Like you can't just have one killer shark that's, I don't know. I just. Uh, well, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's that suspension of disbelief. If you're willing yeah. to go along with Jaws. You have to go along with yours too. You can't say, oh, no, it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. It's like, well, yeah. It's the ocean. It's, yeah. It might as well be out of space. Like, you have no idea what's going on down there. You have no idea what sea creatures do. They talk a lot in the first movie about how no one really knows what's going on in a shark's head because all they think about is swimming and eating and killing. And they also talk a bit about how sharks respond to things. And I was reading about it afterwards. And sharks are the most sensitive animal on the planet to uh, electromagnetic frequencies. So the fact that Amity is an island that has giant power cables running to it all around, they can pick up something ridiculous like 0.000000005 nanometers of electric, electric energy and are attracted to it. They've got all these like special gushy, mushy cells in their head that go, oh, there's something happening there. You should go check that out. Yeah. So even from a science point of view, like you're an island, you've got big cables bringing electricity in now the island. One shark got attracted to something there. Maybe it was that. 
and in the sequel we lean on that a bit more and maybe that's the reason sharks come to amity and uh you got anything to disprove that no i don't okay cool then it makes sense yeah i look yeah i'm I'm with you i don't think it's the most far-fetched uh scenario to be honest and you it's scientist i thought you were the least far-fetched of the sequel (laughs) (laughs) wow yeah there you go exactly so something I did want to touch on, which I actually loved and I was really listening for the second time I watched it in the last week, was actually, and this is this is something that surprised me too. Not It's not a recent uh, development. Like I, I knew about this for a while, but sequels generally like, like you said, like you don't get always, you might get a couple of the actors back. They're looking for their payday or whatever as well. Or they mm-hmm. want to come back and great experience. Um, you might not get the director like a Spielberg and, and things are done a little bit more on the cheap and I'll get the knock off the next person down. They got John Williams back for the music. Which, That's a huge thing we haven't talked about. Yeah. Yes. And and that was the one thing that like I, I obviously knew recently, but I reckon about 10, 15 years ago, if you had asked me, oh, who who did the music? Oh, well, it wouldn't have been John Williams. It would have been just some knockoff. And then, yeah, that was something, you know, I learned a, a while ago and I'm, I'm probably going on and on and on, but that was the one thing I was really listening for and closing my eyes. With. And like some of his new stuff for Jaws 2 is really, really good. It is a great score. Yeah. It's a really great score. And I think it's, it'll probably never be one of the, the scores that people reach to. Like I, I have the Jaws score on vinyl and I put it on all the time and scare the crap out of my wife. Cause she's terrified of that movie. And mm. and everybody should be in the kitchen and just hear Dern and be like, no, don't. But I, <laughs> I, and I, I like Jaws too, but I don't think I'm ever going to go out and buy Jaws two the score and sit around the house and listen to it. But I don't have a good reason for that because it's a good score. Like it's yes. really interesting that the action sequences in it work because of the score, the, the lamenting that Brody has over what's become of his life when things start to really go bad in the second act and, and the, the clear sort of confusion he has about, am I losing? Like when, you know, when he unloads the the bullets into the ocean yeah. and everyone's like, it's bluefish. And afterwards when he's picking up the bullets and his son comes over to help, that's a beautiful moment. But the mm. score there is like, Oh yeah, I, I completely understand what's going on in his head. Yes. And it's crazy because everything got rearranged. John Williams had to start writing that before the movie was finished. So he didn't mm. even know what he was writing for. And yeah. he still came up with something that good. Yeah. Like, that's insane. That's talent. Oh, no, it is. And they definitely, I think from what I was reading, they went sort of bigger and better. They sort of, he, you know, just had a bigger team when they were doing it and bigger band. He definitely had a bigger budget. I remember that. Was the first one, that really, he was like writing in his house on his grand piano and trying to figure out if it worked. And then when it kind of worked, then they gave him a little bit of money to get the, the orchestra together to record it. And then the studio was like, oh, damn, we got something. But this yeah. one, they're like, oh, no, 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 no. You you won awards for the lot. He, here's all the money. Do whatever you need to do. Make it big. Make it crazy. Go for it. And he really, I mean, I'm not John Williams. I don't have his talent. But I think if I wrote one of the most definitive scores of all time and then I was asked to come back and do the sequel and handed a buttload of cash, I might be inclined to lean on the main riff just a little bit more than he does. Like he, he really yeah. doesn't use the turn that much at all. No. He goes in really interesting directions with it, but he's not recycling it. And I think a lot of composers would have. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to shit on Danny Elfman, but I think if Danny Elfman's coming back, you know, and doing, if he did Jaws and he's doing Jaws too, I think we're getting the Jaws theme about four times in that movie. And there's a lot of composers be like, yeah, no, nah, just play the hits, let's do it, come on, let's go. And he, yeah, I mean, like, that, and that, that's cool the thing score. that surprised me. I, 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 
again, because I was really trying to tune into that, the sound. And, and I know, uh, again, uh, bros from Chatflix, like, I know he's very big on listening to the soundtracks and really, really paying attention yeah. to music. I'll be honest, I'm not a huge, I'm not anti-music and uh, soundtracks, but sometimes I just, maybe I just pick up more on the visual stuff and, and the audio is a little bit more secondary to me than whatever. So, but I definitely was listening for the soundtrack this time. And yeah, like I said, I was surprised at how good it was. And like you said, those key moments just, just nailed it every time. And like you said, like to be writing it on the fly with almost just a script or some shots and, and he, hearing the director just explain the scene and, and him not actually seeing it and having to write, write those pieces of um, music. That's a really, really good score. It's, yeah, it's a crazy effort. I, I'm similar. I, I never used to care about the music. Um, it's only been the last sort of five, six years that it, I've clicked as a, a movie watcher and been like, oh no, this is as important as the, the cinematographer and the director. I think when you're younger, you know, you, who are the stars, who's the director? And there's the only things that really you get bandied about. And then you get older and you start to realize, no, the screenwriter is really important. The cinematographer is really important. And the composer is really, really important. And now every film, like oh, if there's a, a movie coming out, I'm excited about, like one of the names I will search is the the composer and be like, oh, what else have they done? Oh yeah, cool. Because yeah. it gives you the heart of the film. Like the, the emotions you feel in the movie are the score. And yeah, I think I, without John Williams, yours too is it's for the bin probably honestly well, like you think it, about it's held together by that score we just think about how many movies um we've watched and, and that you or me are fans of that would be so different if if someone else just that that person wasn't there to oh, yeah. give the score i mean one of my favorite scores is back to the future so um Brilliant. that's not um ghostbusters and, and i actually saw that um uh at hamer hall when they did the you know the, so did i the Ghostbusters and, with the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. That was one of the greatest things I've ever yeah. seen. And, and that's amazing too, because I think you can watch the movie so many times and maybe if you don't have the right um, surround sound set up or whatever, there's just those little bits you don't always get. And then you see an orchestra play or hear the orchestra play it. And there's those extra moments that you pick up on and you're like, oh, wow, I've never really noticed that sound effect or that just that little bit of extra. And yeah, it's... Yeah, anyway, and something I've uh, noticed too, listening, going, getting deep into soundtracks and, and going out and buying a bunch of scores. You can listen, like to Jaws or I've a lot of horror scores, like Friday Thirteenth and, and Halloween things. Like you can sit and listen to them, and have not seen the film for years, but you listen to them and you can hear the story. You can hear what's going on and the little like the little cello there or the little you know the little piccolo they throw in there. You can completely understand the story that's being told, and you realize when you cut out the visuals, like oh yeah, like the words that are happening in the movie really aren't telling me what's going on most of the time. If there's a good composer, I can just watch this, you know, with this, this dialogue track out and still know what's going on. And Jaws, Jaws 2, the smartest thing it does is is get John Williams. I think hands down, the absolute best move they made was getting him back. Yeah. Great they got Roy Scheider. Great they got Lauren Gary. Great they got all those original cast back. Great that the movie overall comes together. But I think the producers deserve a, a big round of applause for getting John Williams back because they... They obviously knew they needed him. Well, and you kind of think if they're going to spend $30 million on it, um, which obviously wasn't planned at the start and as the movie sort of went out and out, yes. they sort of like, oh, we'll just pay this bill, pay this bill, and oh, here's another invoice. Like, if you're going to spend $30 million, you might as well get John Williams back. and, and Get the best. Him. Yeah, well, yeah, why not? Um, 
Because that's the one thing uh, I don't want to deviate too much. Like we're talking about movies and soundtracks, but that was the one thing that even as a kid, I felt like Superman two, that was a soundtrack. I did notice did feel like it was the John Williams knockoff. And it was like, yeah, John Williams didn't come back for the sequel. Um, um, obviously the producer on that one were trying to be, well, save, save a dollar and, and just got someone else to sort of recreate some of those scores. And you just know, they just don't feel as epic or they're just like, you know, the, so the, the, the Audi version of, uh, of, of something that's really more, you know, the top of the range. So, um, it's a great description. Yeah. So anyway, like and I to mean, bring it all, all back full circle, the only other film of note that, uh, that the director of Jaws 2 ever made that anyone cared about, do you know what it is? Jeez, this is embarrassing. I'm on a podcast and I should have I should know this. But I don't know, tell me. It's a Supergirl. It's the only other film he made oh. of note. Apart from Roger Gene, so the, the whole the whole world comes back together again. I mean, not that John Williams did the score for that, but he yeah. he's in the same they're both in that world together. They're both hanging out, being mates with uh yeah. with some some good and some bad films. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it all comes together. I think I think one of the interesting things about Jaws 2, and I know that the show is called Sequels Suck. But what what I always talk about when I talk about sequels, because I have this this discussion with people a lot, because I tend to like movies. I don't know more than people. I like more movies than a lot of people because I think I'm willing to look at what the movie's trying to do. Mm. Oh wow, people! And I think this is something we talked about a bit. We're like this. We talked about Ghostbusters. Yeah, (laughs) Um, where, where we talked about Ghostbusters, and I I couldn't. I couldn't break down to its bare bones and then talk about it purely as a movie because it's not just a movie. It is a sequel. It was never just a standalone movie. And as a sequel, you always have to take that into account. And I think you have to look at what is Jaws 2 doing? What's, what's the whole point of it? It's to give us more of the world of Jaws. That's mm. its ultimate goal. Obviously, people loved the world of Jaws enough. They want to come back. You can't just show them the same movie again. What can you do? As a sequel... It's completely successful because what you get is you get to go back to Amity Island. You get to hang out with Chief Brody and his family again. You get to see Mayor Vaughan be a jerk again. You get a shark terrorizing people again. And you get to relive the experience of Jaws, albeit not as successfully because nothing was ever going to be successful. But you get to go back to Amity. And that's what you should be going into Jaws 2 looking for. If you don't like Jaws, don't watch Jaws 2. If you... If you only want to watch Jaws, don't watch Jaws 2. And I think a lot of people watch a lot of sequels, including Jaws 2, with this idea that, well, Jaws is one of the top 100, top 10 for a lot of people, greatest films of all time. And the sequel doesn't live up to that. So it's terrible. But it's not trying to be... Jaws 2 isn't trying to be the top 10 film of all time. It's trying to be Jaws 2. It's trying to take you back to that world and give you more of what you wanted. And I think Jaws is... Jaws is a gourmet meal. Jaws is going to a fancy restaurant, eating a gourmet meal and sitting back and going, that was a masterpiece created by masters who knew what they were doing at every point. And the final product I got, every element of it worked together to give me just the most satisfying experience. And Jaws 2 is dessert. Like if you mm. eat it every night, you're going to feel crap. If you, watch Jaws, <laughs> if you watch Jaws 2 every night, you're going to feel crap. If you, if you watch Jaws 2 two nights in a row, halfway through, you're going to be like, I regret this decision. The same way if you eat a big frigging bowl of ice cream two nights in a, th- a row, unless you're six, mm. you're going to be like, I've made yeah. a mistake. But Jaws, you can watch it once a week for the rest of your life and probably not regret that decision ever. Yeah. But every now and again, you're like, I want to treat myself. I want a bit more of that. I don't want that again. I don't want a second dinner. I want a bit more of the, the experience of eating that meal and just to let it linger. That's when you watch Jaws 2. That's when you sit down and go, all right, yeah, 
I've watched Jaws recently. I just want a bit more Brody. I want a bit more yeah. Amity. Where can I get that? I'm going to go watch Jaws 2 and I'm going to have fun. And for at least two-thirds of the movie, I'm going to get a really rock-solid film. The first two acts of that movie, I challenge anyone to, to tell me a crap. They're a really, really good film about someone dealing with post-traumatic, post-traumatic stress, trying to convince the rest of the world or his world that it's happening again. Yeah. It's a, it's a great character story. The third act, all right, it's, it's not as exciting as the first one. Yes, the kids on the barge is not as good as the three men on the orca, but you've got Brody trying to save his kids. Like, I was invested. I yeah. wanted to make sure that, that Mike and, and Sean didn't die. I didn't really care about the other ones. I honestly would have liked a bit more of the other ones to die. You know, when the helicopter explodes and the blades fly off, I want to see someone get decapitated. That's what I like in movies. Yeah. But I was in. I was all in. And even though the shark death is, you know, it's, 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 it's fine. It's not bad. You know, coming up with the idea to electrocute the shark based on the wires that you've set up, like it's Chekhov's gun, man. You told us about the electrical impulses. You showed us the wires earlier in the movie. you got to bring them back. You do. It's a real, like the effects hold up. You know, they could have done a cheesy hand-drawn skeleton over when it flashes like a lot of movies do yeah. when characters get electrocuted there's smoke coming out of the shark's eyes i believe the shark's dead i like the shark gets scarred early on by the yeah, burning cool. boat and that that sticks around like there's some cool stuff that happens and then you finish it and you go that was great that was jaws 2 i don't need to watch jaws 2 again for a bit i'm gonna go watch jaws the next time i feel like a shark movie but in a year yeah man i'm gonna watch jaws 2 again yeah don't ever watch jaws 3 or jaws the revenge unless you're pretty drunk <laughs> Yes. You know, but because <laughs> Jaws 1 and 2 go together, they're nice. Jaws 3 yes. and 4, that's that's the knockoff T-shirt you buy when you've left the concert and you didn't have 60 bucks to buy a Foo Fighters shirt, but on the street there's some guy who's screen printed in his garage for 10 bucks. You're like, yeah, I'll get it. And you put it on, it's like, oh, this material stings. This isn't good. Yeah. That's Jaws 3 and 4. It's a yeah. pale imitation. Don't do that. <laughs> but yeah, Jaws 2, you, you watch it. Love so, it. So what are we, how are we going to rate these movies? Because I feel like on Chatflix we give it out of five, or because we're saying we're talking about sequels, are we going to have another way of yay or nay? My, my proposal is that you 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 follow my. <laughs> it's very arrogant, but you follow my rating. Like, is rate it as a sequel. Don't yes. rate it as a movie. Mm-hmm. Don't rate it as a standalone event. You've got to rate it as a sequel. So how? I guess what you, you should probably do is work out for yourself how highly you rate the original and then how much of that you're going to give to the sequel. So, for example, uh, I think Jaws is a five out of five movie. It's, it's actually my favourite movie of all time. It's hands down the film that if at any point someone's like, hey, you get to watch one movie forever, they wouldn't have to finish the sentence and be like, Jaws, just give me Jaws. I don't yeah. care. I'll watch Jaws. I've got a Jaws tattoo on my leg. My whole house is covered in Jaws paraphernalia. It is the movie. So for me, that is an untouchable five out of five rock solid movie. How far into that do I go for Jaws 2? I think I would give Jaws 2, I'd give it two thirds. I'll give it two thirds of Jaws. So whatever you want to break that down into a stars, yeah. two thirds of my rating of Jaws, I will give to Jaws 2. I think it's two thirds is good. I think that two thirds of the movie is great. I think I love those characters. That's what I want watching it. And I get two thirds of that world again. I don't yes. get all of it. I don't I get like better that. than I like the original. That. I like that. As I this, walk away with two thirds of yours. I like that. I think um, as this show sort of evolves, I'll come up with something, but you're right. I think 
going kind of back a little bit to what you were sort of saying and how you see this movie, I, I feel like very similar to you. I have, I think we're, we're on the same wavelength. I'm, I'm not as harsh on sequels as a lot of other people. Like I said, I've been with people and they'll go, that is shit. And really jump up and down when they, um, you know, the movie's finished and the credits are rolling or when we get outside the cinema and I'll just bash it because I don't like it for whatever reason. But I'm like you, I try, I try and look back and go, okay, they've taken us back to a, a particular place to be with those characters again. They've got to come up and sometimes there's a convoluted way to create the sequel to get to that point. Um, and there's all these other factors or, or whether there is a shark involved or a predator or whatever. There's things that you cannot unsee from the first one that unfortunately this, the wow and the surprise factor of some movies going into a sequel, you can't replicate. You'll never be able to replicate it. Um, so it's like, did it take you back to that place? Did you have the some of the same emotions? Did you get the same enjoyment out of it? I think sometimes people are way too harsh about sequels and that's what drives yes. me. And, and I think some sequels realize they know they're up against it. The money's being thrown. The creators a bit like, and, and the good example of, you know, Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis um, going back and doing uh, Back to the Future 2 and 3, they were like, well, Back to the Future 1 was awesome. They had no real intentions of doing sequels, but then realized Universal are going to do it without us anyway. Let's just yeah. be in control with it. And they knew they were. it was never going to be as big as the first one, but at least they said, well, what was the best things of the the, the, the first movie that we can go back to and, and all those sort of things? So I don't know. I think personally, I think I know a lot of people and a lot of people and a lot of people in general, when I read online, are just way too savage on some sequels. Um, Absolutely. But then and I, I think even the, the announcement of sequels, people, they put the cart before the horse and it's like, oh, they're making, I don't know the crying game too and people are like no nah, it's gonna suck it's gonna be the worst oh, who cares and it's like well hold on man like why yes like people are still just making a movie people are just someone wrote a script someone put together a production budget and got some actors and a director and they're gonna make a movie like how about you chill out and watch it mm. and maybe you'll have some fun nothing it, it doesn't have to be as good as the first one and and look i'll be honest there's definitely some sequels i've seen that i've tried to sort of defend but even in my own mind i kind of like oh how am i defending this and what how like they kind of didn't need to or yeah they had a great idea but mm, they just didn't nail and i'm a bit again going back to what i was saying like with you that i'm trying to defend these movies sometimes or, or do defend them and i can sometimes go okay that was a bit rubbish but i can see what they were yeah. trying to do and then the execution wasn't there or like you said the third act just the, the climax just didn't nail it but the the first like two thirds of the movie are like amazing or at least on par with the original, which is they couldn't, or they couldn't get the right actor back or I don't know, you know, there's, we all, I just think we can be a bit unfair with sequels um, in general. But yeah. I think I, that's just, the thing. I think that's the thing. Like you, if, if you love the first movie, you've got to have low expectations going to a sequel. Anyway. I think <laughs> people must have just really ridiculously high expectations yeah there are some sequels that we will talk about at some point that do potentially surpass the originals or are better than the originals but mm-hmm. generally speaking you you aren't going to be able to replicate how good the first one is um for whatever reasons they are um every movie is different and and some things just can't you can never re- replicate them again so um i just think a, a, a sequel that 
works is exactly how you've summed up Jaws 2 is if it can take you back to that happy place and see those characters again and have a similar journey and and pretty much recapture the same sort of magic to a point I mean that's the best you can really hope for really like I mean absolutely um and that's what I think people miss people I think we just we as humans now I think we're way too negative on a lot of things and and that's one of those look I think um I think quote unquote nerd culture has had a, a, a real negative impact on it because there is a lot of that ownership of movies now and, and that whole, you know, the, the common cry if they're ruining my childhood when they sequelize or reboot something. Mm. And it's, you know, we, we grew up in the eighties and we didn't really have to, like, I, I said this to my friends a lot. It's like we never had a war that we all went and fought in. So we never really had anything to make us grow up. So now we're a bunch of grown men who sit around and talk about movies because no one ever told us we couldn't anymore. You know, we grew up with VHS players in our houses so we could watch these movies again and again. We didn't quite have the internet so we could talk with our friends about these movies over and over and over again. And we felt like these movies defined us. Like, the, you know, you have the, everyone has those selection of movies like that movie is the movie that made me realise, I don't know, that, that was the first movie I had a crush on a girl in or, you know, that, that was the first movie that made me realise that I loved the ocean or that was the first movie that made me realise that I wanted to be a firefighter or whatever it is. There's movies that awaken things in people and they'll have a yeah. list that be like, this, these movies mean something to me. Yes. And then they sort of protect them like they belong to them. And then it's yes. like, hey, we're, um, we've decided that we're going to make a sequel to, to Jaws or, hey, we've decided we're going to reboot that movie that many, we're going to make a, a Ghostbusters that isn't quite the same as the original Ghostbusters mm, yes. before anyone watches it, people lose their minds. Yes. Is the Ghostbusters reboot as good as Ghostbusters? Well, for anyone who grew up in the eighties, never going to be, no. you just can't compete with that. Is it a good movie? Yeah, man. I watched it and had fun. I didn't yes. really know Kate McKinnon before that movie. And I walked <clears> away going that Kate McKinnon is the funniest fucking thing I've seen on screen in years. Yeah. And I, my wife absolutely adored it and she didn't grow up obsessed with the original Ghostbusters. And we mm. talked about it. I was like, I liked it. It's not as good as the original. And she was like, yeah, but it's not the original. So who gives a shit? And I was like, you make a really good point. Yeah. It's like the original still exists. You can go home and watch it on Blu-ray tonight. I, I, don't, I don't want to get too bogged down on the Ghostbusters uh, debate, but uh, <laughs> I'm with you. You're, you're a Ghostbuster. No, yeah, but no, no, but I, I'm with you. I, I felt like that was really, it's a hard one with that one because I think it did get paid out before it even came out but i was excited because i i loved a lot of those girls that were in that movie i like you i didn't really know kate mckinnon too well um oh, who's the girl that's uh, this escaping my mind kate mckinnon Kristen wig um uh, no, leslie jones oh leslie jones so and- i didn't i didn't know who leslie jones was but i was very well aware of Kristen wig and i love her and melissa mccarthy so i'm like well they're fans of the movie they're going to bring this this charisma they're going to bring it and unfortunately, I do I do feel like it's a movie that does probably suffer where they probably didn't get a lot of you know chance to ad ad lib and, and make up a lot of stuff. I think that I think it feels like a movie made by committee. Yes, yeah. and so I think that's where it does suffer. Um, but I, again, I know people that might be dressing up as Ghostbusters sometimes that hated that movie, and then I know some that really loved it. Um, I'm sort of in between. I just went for the ride and. If I turn off my Ghostbusters fan 80s brain, I can just enjoy it for what it is as a standalone sort of movie and have a bit of fun with it. I don't think it holds up. I, 
hasn't held up as well over repeated viewings with some of the jokes and mm, that's, yeah, whatever. No, but it think- doesn't. It, it doesn't have that magic. I agree with that. But what it does have, and this is something that I think changes what I was talking before about, like I understand Brody better enjoys to because I have kids now. I've got a daughter and I know when I was watching Ghostbusters, I'm just going to, who are you going to call the reboot or remake or yeah. parallel? Universe, what it is. I was watching it. And part of, part of the reason that I watched it and didn't immediately go, nah, is I watched it and go, Oh, there's people who aren't me. This movie's going to like matter to them. And yeah. my daughter has, she hasn't watched the whole thing, but she's watched parts of it. And she's like, yeah, cool, yeah. man. Like that lady's funny. Or that's so cool that she's a girl. I'm like, yeah, it, there are things that are more important than me and my eighties childhood. Yes. And that is something else that can get buried. And it brings it back to what I was saying at the start. Like you saw Jaws 2 properly before you saw Jaws. Cause it came out at the right time. It featured people who were your age or just a little bit older people. You identified with more with than a salty old sea dog and a research sailor <laughs> and a cop. Like the characters of Jaws don't relate to kids and teens. No, the no. characters of Jaws 2, like 70% of the cast relate to kids and teens. So you, you go with what you get and that's what has an impact on you. Yeah. And as a result, yeah, you, you got into to Jaws and, and you, you know, you got to experience that movie with your mates and build those, that fun. But if you automatically like, Oh, there's a two at the end, I'm not going to watch it. You, you can't yourself off the feet. Like, you are. And two. look, having said also, that, like a two at the end. Yeah. Like, like you said, like the, I was, uh, was going to throw in first American movie ever to have the number two at the end. Oh the yes. I read, matter, I read that too. I read that too. And that was, that yeah. was really, yeah, it was really interesting. I uh, read that last. Yeah, summer. a I European sort of... film had done it first, but first ever Holloway Hollywood film to ever put the number two instead of the Roman which I think Rose. is um, which I think is indicative of them saying like, we're not trying to make the Godfather Part Two. We're not trying to make high art here. We're making another Jaws. This is Jaws Two. 100%. It's not Jaws Part Two or Jaws the Second or whatever. It's just, <laughs> it's just a bit more, man. Yeah. So there you have it. That's us debating Jaws Two. <laughs> and I'm glad to have you on because you're very passionate about this, Angus. I am. I got I got sidetracked and got worked up a bit. So thank you for letting me roll with it. But I, uh, no, it is no. like the overall message that I that I want to get out about not just Jaws two, but movies at all is like chill out. There's too much of people getting on the internet and being like, "Well, this was crap for this, and I didn't like this." And well, they were, like, man, what was the movie trying to do? That's all that really matters. What was it trying to do? And I think Jaws 2 was trying to show me more Amity Island and have a good time, and that's exactly what I got. Yeah, and I'm, I'm happy you're happy because, yeah, I, again, wasn't a huge – I wouldn't say I was a huge Jaws fan. I just never um, – I, I was – I guess I was indifferent. I always rated it as a sequel, um, unlike the third and the fourth ones. So um, when you were sort of being very passionate about it, I thought, no, I'm going to go back. And I'm like, yeah, this actually holds up. Yeah, is it, it, is it the first one? No, it's not a classic. But it still has enough of those classic parts of the first movie. And like I said, it takes you back to that place. What more can you ask for? You can't, you know, it is what it yeah. is, right? It's great. And it's. It, I think it has one classic moment where, Brody says to his wife, he's like, what is it with these kids and the boats? And she just turns to him like an idiot and says, it's an island. Yes. And I think that's a beautiful summation of everything in Jaws 1 and Jaws 2. It's an Absolutely. island, man. Sharks are going to show up. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining me, Angus. Thanks for having me. No worries. And uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk another sequel soon. Could be The Mummy Returns, could be Scream 2. I don't know.
Uh, you, you're listing rocks old classics now, so I'm getting excited. There's some, okay. there's some magic out there. There's some magic in the number twos out there. Oh, absolutely. All right, on that note, farewell. See you later, mate. Well, there you have it, folks. That was Jaws 2 in the words of Cable, Brandon Sage, and Angus Brown. Uh, if you want to check out other movie podcasts, I highly recommend Chatflix, which is another one that me and Angus are part of. Also, check out Staff Picks, which is another really good one by Mario Lanza. And until then, see you next time.